There is no SI.com. There is no Twitter. I'm only writing once. I can say this now. It's amazing they even paid me during the Olympics. I'll be honest. <laughs> I'm serious. Because I only wrote three, you know, I wrote three <laughs> stories. I wrote a first day story, first week story. I don't remember what it was about. I did a Q&A with Magic for the second one, a big q and I'm sure he worked some basketball in there. Mm. But it was about, you know, Magic at the time and how he had nine months earlier. We didn't know whether he was going to be dead or not. And here he is captaining the greatest team ever. So that was sort of the and the third one was, as you alluded to, following Charles around the Rombles. And the, the final, the fourth story was kind of a follow up. Hello there. Well, today we bring you a very special Crossover America episode with the award-winning writer and journalist Jack McCallum. This conversation is taken from the Irishman Abroad mini-series collection. Over on Patreon, you can hear mini-series such as our true crime podcast, Irishman Behind Bars, our Me Too series, Men Behaving Better, and of course, this, The Irishman Inside Basketball, where I talk to some of the most interesting people, players, and journalists ever to cover the game. Jack McCallum covered the NBA for decades during the glory years of Larry Bird, Magic Johnson and Michael Jordan and earned a reputation as one of the most trusted and knowledgeable writers to cover the metamorphosis of this sport from a niche interest to the global billion dollar marketing phenomenon we know today. It is agreed that the arrival of the Dream Team at the 1992 Barcelona Olympics was the pivotal moment in that change. Jack is the authority on that bizarre occurrence that paved the way for everything that was to follow. Look, you don't need to be a basketball fan to appreciate how the Dream Team changed the world, but it helps. With the Tokyo Olympics just one month away, I thought now was the right time to go back to 1992 with Jack McCallum to get a deeper look inside America and inside basketball. To hear the full conversation, uncut and ad-free, simply head over to patreon.com forward slash irishmanabroad and in just a few clicks you'll gain access to absolutely everything we do for just the price of a cup of coffee. But for now, sit back and relax and enjoy the Jack McCallum episode of An Irishman Inside Basketball. Jack McCallum, it is fantastic to have you on Irishman Inside Basketball. I guess in recent times, people will know your voice from your podcast, which was basically the serialization of the Dream Team book. Did you think at the time when the Dream Team book was released, it obviously becomes a New York Times bestseller. Did you think at the time of doing the podcast or was it just something that kind of came out as the book became more and more popular and you realized, hey, I've got all these tapes. Well, I didn't. First of all, back when I wrote the book in uh, it came out in 2012, I don't I can't remember, but I don't think I knew what a podcast was. Okay, I'm trying to think the first time I listened to a podcast was probably, uh, you know, my wife started getting interested in them. So I, I probably 2015 or 2016. Don't ask me when the podcast was invented. And I'm not even smart enough that it was my idea. My agent, who's a fellow named Scott Waxman, Mm -hmm. sort of started thinking about podcasts. And he suddenly realized, you know, 
he has all these authors who own after a while they own the uh you know the copyright and here's all this fiction the I'm sorry non-fiction potential material mm. for a podcast and if you can get the author if the author feels like it and is a pretty good narrator and can write kind of in a script form geez I mean we have kind of a a pretty good zero profit margin here <laughs> to do podcasts and so he asked me about it and I said, you know, I saved all the tapes. I'm not any more organized than anyone else, probably less organized. But somehow deep inside of me, I knew that the Dream Team tapes could be, I don't know, that I better save them. Mm. And so I said, yeah, incredibly, I have all the tapes from these guys talking because it's not going to be easy these days to get magic and michael and larry to come on but i have their voices from back in the day and so we kind of went bingo it was sort of very 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 fortunate fortunate is the word because we're reaping the benefits i mean the podcast itself for the listeners that haven't listened already and i'm sure there's very few i mean the podcast itself has been a huge hit it's a window into how close you got to these guys, to these, I hate this uh, Mount Rushmore of basketball that people talk about. It gets thrown around so much now, but really these are the Greek gods of the game. And you, during this particular time in sports journalism, had access and trust between you and these guys. That's a lost thing now. So I think to, to an extent, the tapes kind of give us an insight into something that's no longer in the world. Would you agree? Yeah. You know, now you have to remember that these tapes, most of the tapes, there's some, there's some audio on there from 1991, 92. Mm. The tapes based, the basis of the tapes are when I taped them for the book, which was 2009, 2010, 2011. But you're right. The reason I was able to get them was the relationships that I had built, you know, years ago with them when I was covering them. That's that's number one. And those relationships do not quite exist to that level that they did back then. It's just not, you know, it's not quite the same. There's not quite the same relationship between a journalist and an athlete, mainly because athletes today have their own platforms. Mm hmm. You know, they want to announce news. They put it on their Twitter feed. They put it on their website. Their agent puts it on his or her website. Uh, their wife puts it on their website. So it's different. It's it's a completely different thing. That's number one. Number two was that I was fortunate in that what the subject matter I was talking about, that dream team era, the whole era from the early 80s up through the dream team was a very special thing in those guys' lives. And to a certain extent, you know, uh, only to a certain extent, I shared it with them. I was part of that group. You know, we're all older now. They're still famous, and I'm still working, <laughs> but it, it's different. We're not, so we're sort of in this little bit of a club. I might be in the in the chair near the door, but it's part of a little 
special group. And I think I was lucky that I was able to capitalize on that a little bit also. I 100% feel that, that there is a sense between you and them that you get it. Part of that must be that when you were first assigned basketball, it was so low on the totem pole of American sports that it, it wasn't an insult to be asked to do it. Correct me if I'm wrong, but it was more of a question of, well, let's see how Jack gets on with this thing. Yeah, it was kind of, I mean, I, I got to Sports Illustrated in 1981 and I mean, I did a couple of pro basketball stories and it was really, it was nothing. It was nothing at all. It was like, uh, you know, I remember the pro basketball editor really didn't know that much about pro basketball. It was the fourth sport. Well, I mean, if you count college, pro basketball, baseball, pro and college football, even hockey in SI, I'm counting on my fingers that <laughs> made it about the seventh sport. Wow. So um, that's hard for the listeners to get right. To even, it's even very hard. It's very hard to capture. But when I got on the beat in the early 80s, like, let's say, 84, 85, 84 is kind of a watershed year. Mm. Stern became commissioner. Jordan came into the league along with Barkley, Stockton, Akeem. The All-Star Weekend became a thing again. They revived the dunk contest. A couple of years later, they instituted the three-point contest. So things started to happen. And the Lakers-Celtics rivalry. Hmm. So you take all those factors, and I plunged into that pool right at the moment all those things were happening. And... A lot of the stuff, the first few years, this group of us that were covering it, that's how we kind of looked at it. Hey, we were the, you know, the underdog guys on the beat. But, you know, the funny thing was, as dumb as we are, we sort of saw it. Mm. We you could see this happening. Like the first stories in 84 and 85 were all about, well, the NBA is trying to dig itself out. And, uh, yeah, there's still some problems, but things look good. And. And then all of a sudden, you know, kind of got on this elevator and we could see that we could see that it was happening. And Stern, you know, kind of played it right. The athletes knew that they had to plug into it a little bit, some more than others. But certainly Magic Johnson set one of the templates of how you should act when you're an athlete and you're trying to, for want of a better word, sell your product. So. Once again, I was I was fortunate to have been in that that era. So there you have it. A little taste of my conversation with Jack McCallum. You really need to hear the rest of this conversation. So come on over to patreon.com forward slash Irishman abroad and a couple of clicks for the price of a cup of coffee each month. You can support the show and gain access to hundreds of hours of brilliant podcasts designed to accompany you through the summer months and beyond. I want to say a big thanks to Brian Connolly for his production, to Jack McCallum, our guest, John Marr for his extra research, and of course, Dean and Mikey for making it all possible. And I will see you this weekend for the Eamon Dunphy episode of An Irish Man Abroad. <laughs>